I speak to you in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let me just say at the beginning, which I should have said earlier, uh, I'm really delighted to finally be here. It's been a long time coming since the announcement was made in both parishes, and I know you've been in the midst of uh, turmoil and change for a long time, and I'm glad to finally be here, called by God and your selection committee to serve you for the next several years. So it's delightful. Thank you for choosing me. One of the great uh, perks of being the dean of the cathedral is the deanery. I don't know if any of you have been in the deanery, but uh, it's just up there on top of the cathedral center. And during the interviews, I remember saying to Neil, I have to really pretend that that's not part of the job so that I go for the right reasons. Because it really is a wonderful place to live and thank you for providing that for me and my family. We've been doing a lot of sitting out on the deck, checking out the view. And last night was no exception. I remember looking at this tall, towery thing over here. I was thinking of Hogwarts Castle, to be honest with you, uh, over that away. And there's another one over here, and I thought, gosh, that one looks shorter than the other one. And then it eventually dawned on me that it was a matter of perspective that it wasn't shorter than the other, but even that short distance was enough to give the appearance that the two towers were uneven. Well, that took me way back to grade four, when we learned how to draw at Yarmouth Central Elementary School. Strangely enough, the woman who taught me started dating my father after my mother died, but that's another story. But I can remember learning about putting a little dot on the paper. Does anybody else remember doing that? And you kind of drew everything from the perspective of that dot. So little Stephen Vale liked to draw cars, like a lot of little boys do, and houses and trees and things like that. So I very obediently put my little dot on the page, and then the trees were shorter and taller as they came along. The cars were so pointy they'd never pass any kind of inspection, but hey, I was just learning about perspective at that point. Today, as we celebrate the patronal festival of this church, and as we baptize six people into the body of Christ's church, and as each of us renews our own baptismal covenants during that service, I'm reminding it again of that dot, that perspective, that place of beginning, that place that we go back to, that place that shapes our journey, that place that shapes our perspective and how we understand God and how we understand ourselves and how we understand one another and our obligations to God, ourselves, and one another. As the gospel was being read today, I was thinking of rock climbing. Not that I've ever done it, mind you, but I've seen people do it on TV. And they all look through a, a foothold, a place to begin, a place to hoist yourself up. And it seems to me that the place to connect our gospel reading today with our understanding of what it means to be Christian people and our celebration of our great patron saint 
the first of the apostles to be martyred for the faith, and one of the first to lay everything else aside and call Jesus, follow Jesus. The words that are tucked into the middle of that event, it will not be so among you. It will not be so among you. You know, there's a lot going on in that story. There's the mother asking on behalf of her boys. There's Jesus sort of gently rebuking the boys and teaching them what it really means to follow him. There's the anger of the other disciples that James and John thought of this great idea first to try to jostle for power and position in Jesus's kingdom. And circling at the center of all that, circling around it is that sentence. It will not be so among you. You see, when we become baptized, when we renew our baptisms, when we, like St. James, decide as erringly as we sometimes do it to become followers of Jesus, we decide that we are not simply going to fit in with the ways of this world around us. We decide that we are not simply going to listen to our own hearts, that we are not going to listen to public opinion simply, that we are not going to pick up the latest self-help book and let that be our primary guide. We declare that we wish to follow and we will strive to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Do you accept him as your Lord and Savior? Will be asked a little, in a little while. And the answer is, I do. Well, my question is, do you? My question for myself is, do I? Or am I like Peter, who tries to get Jesus on a different track and gets rebuked with, get thee behind me, Satan? which is what happens at Jesus's first prediction of his suffering and death? Or am I like the other apostles who argue among themselves? Which of us do you think is the greatest? I did that with my little friends back in grade four. You know, I'm the king of the castle and you're the dirty rascal. That's what happens after the second prediction of Jesus's passion which he makes. And then the final and third, just on the edge of Jerusalem as they're about to march into the city where it's all going to unfold very quickly in a way which is expected by Jesus and unexpected by pretty well everyone else, when he says a third time, you know, are you going to get it this time? They say, can we be the greatest ones? Can we sit on your right and on your left? They just don't seem to understand. Not yet, anyway. And so I have to ask myself, am I like them? Well, if I'm honest, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. But thankfully, that's not the answer all the time. I, like you, and like all Christians, mess up sometimes. We err and stray from God's ways like lost sheep. We follow the devices and desires of our own hearts more often than we don't, 
I would think. And this moment in the lives of these children, and this moment in our lives as we renew our baptismal vows, is that point from which it all begins. When we mess up, when we are looking for direction, when we are looking to understand who we are and what the purpose of our lives is and what we are meant to do with the days that are given to us, this is the moment we should remember. The moment of baptism, when the declaration is made that we are children of God before we are anything else. I sign you with the sign of the cross and I mark you as Christ's own forever. And parents and godparents, that is your task, to remind these children that that's who they are, and to live into the dignity and into the glory of the title of child of God, to live into the task of a child of God, to be like the father, to imitate the big brother, to go into the world and serve as Christ himself has served. It shall not be so among you. The ways of this world, the ways of selfishness, the grabbing and grasping for power and glory, the exaltation of money and things, often over people, it shall not be so among you. When we are in doubt, when we are feeling unworthy, let us all recall ourselves to that statement and to the statement which lies behind it, that we are children of God, beloved of God, loved more deeply than we can ever ask and imagine. And let us strive each day to live as God's children. And my hunch is that when Christians around the world, including us gathered here today, really begin to do that and not try to pressure God to see things our way like those first apostles did and to knock God on a different track where we're the ones in charge, but to submit ourselves to the God of love and to live as people of love and forgiveness and compassion and mercy, our world will change in marvelous ways. Amen.